Welcome back to another episode of Agile Way podcast, where we explore challenges organizations face on their Agile journey. How to become great Scrum Master, how to change your leadership style, or how to embrace agility at the organization level. I'm Suzy Shukova, Agile coach, certified Scrum trainer, and author of the great Scrum Master book and Agile leader book, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm passionate about business agility, organizational culture, and Agile leadership, and that was the reason why I decided to start this podcast, to share with you my experiences and stories from my Agile journey. second series of this podcast focuses on business agility and it's sponsored by Emergence Journal. Let me welcome here Michael and Audrey Sahota. I first time met Michael on his class of Agile Leadership in California and from that time we keep seeing each other time to time. We've been both traveling a lot so I remember one of those dinners in London where we both have a different trainings. And that was quite fun, and I am now missing our conversations over the dinner. So I thought I will invite you to this podcast, so have a chat. So let me start with a very open question. What Agile helps you to learn about yourself? That's a great question. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take this one first. Um, so people talk about the Agile mindset, you know, coming, of course, from the Agile manifesto and the principles and so on. And um, my, my view is that it's not humanly possible to fully live the Agile mindset. Um, people who think that they fully live the Agile mindset don't understand what the Agile mindset is. That's kind of my, my assertion. So, so, I mean, this is a rather provocative statement, but I, I, think, I think it's true. Because if we look at, like, for me, it's a, it's a constant teacher. Very simple statement, respond to change over following a plan. And what, I, what I've seen in myself, and just as a, a general function of egoic consciousness, that and everyone's got an ego, is that it's really hard to let go of our attachment to our plans, our ideas of how other people should respond, our ideas of how our day should go, our ideas of what, what should happen. And it turns out we have all these micro plans in our heads and expectations. You could also use the word expectations instead of plans. We have all these expectations about other people, about situations. And when it doesn't go our way, like when we start to look at it, we see there's a life, that, that is a lifelong journey and path. This whole notion of, of response change. That's one manifesto item. Another one I could point to is um, the very first introduction of uncovering better ways of, of working. Like a lot of the time we get stuck. We actually are not uncovering better ways. We're just stuck in our charges and our own ideas of what should happen and what we want. And we're not open to learning and growth, especially when confronted with radically different ideas. We often shut down and retreat back into, oh, no, no, I know this. I got this. I'm experienced and blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, the first manifesto line of, um, you know, individual interactions over process and tools it's so hard to put people first. It's so hard to value people in every single moment and every single action. So I'd say the, the Agile Manifesto, when I realized I wasn't living it, that was one of the greatest teachers in my life to say, wow, Agile is actually talking about an incredibly powerful and profound culture system. So Agile itself is a beautiful, beautiful teacher if you understand 
the deeper understanding of what it's really all about. That's amazing. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm newer to I'm newer to Agile. So I was only introduced to Agile when I met Michael. And of course, he said something about Agile and it took me about a month and a half to figure out exactly what it was because it was like this this thing that I never heard of. And I, I, I know the biggest insight for me was when I, I saw what Agile really was. And then I started going to conferences and I started talking to people and the people that were coming into our trainings was that there is a whole entire industry out there and a culture of people that generally want to make a difference on this planet. And I remember um, thinking, I haven't had a, a corporate job in a really long time. And, and part of the reason why I, I diverted my attention to alternative uh, ways of working was that I didn't, I, I mean, I worked for EF Hutton at the Board of Trade in Chicago. I worked for MetLife um, in insurance in Baird and Warner. I, I, uh, I was in the corporate world and I couldn't stand it. It was, it was just like the environment, the culture, you know, having to come to work in a, in a suit and, and even as a woman, you know, it, it was just, it was very difficult. And so I found myself with, with the agile environment where people that really cared about changing the way we work. And for me, that was the hope that, that for the first time I, I, I thought, oh, there is actually something very different happening on this planet and humanity needs this change. And I feel like agile is the thing that is evolving humanity into a different way of living. And so we are, I think that's why we're so keen on the agile mindset is because we see this, um, these new ways of working uh, cannot exist. We cannot be in these new processes and these new structures without radically shifting our worldview and our perceptions and our behaviors. So our, our consciousness must shift in order to work in these new ways of working. So for me, that's, that's the biggest, my, my overall biggest insight with, with Agile itself. And when you now work with different organizations and leaders, what do you think they are missing the most? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really good question. They're all good questions, um, honey. It's easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Don't edit I, I think, I think, uh, I think the core of it, everybody knows, but nobody really fully knows. Everybody's heard of the talk of, oh, we're dealing with Taylorism, we're dealing with traditional management, blah, 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 right? So everybody knows that. That's the standard party line. But what people don't know, and this is where our work goes deeper, is to what's really beneath that. And when we look beneath it, what we're seeing is the command and control mindset. And everybody thinks command and control is something that somebody else does. We don't realize how we, you, me, everybody, me. is addicted to the command and control habit. All of us had parents who told us what to do. All of us went to maybe, except for 1% or so, um, all of us went to school and were told where to sit and how to behave and how to show up and sit in our desk and follow the rules. And we went to workplaces where the same thing was repeated. So we have been indoctrinated since birth in command and control. And what happens is we replicate what we experience. 
So command and control is so deeply wired and ingrained in every, and imprinted in every single person in the organization, employees, managers, everybody, right? Now there's a bit of hope with millennials because they're less imprinted and so on. Um, but generally it's imprinted within everyone. And so now we have to talk about, well, what does it take to release this imprint? What does it take to unlock people so they can function without the chains of this command and control habit? Well, what's lying underneath that? Well, this, well, this is what I'm, what I'm getting at. So, so what, what, it's not knowledge. You can't just tell people, oh, you've got this command and control habit and they'll change. It's not a skill. It's not like you can give, do skills training and people will change. It's actually an underlying shift of consciousness. It's actually an underlying deep inner growth journey. It doesn't need to be a long, painful one. It can actually happen very, very quickly where people go, wait a second. I am causing damage. I'm the problem and I'm the solution. The reason my people are not as engaged, the reason my products aren't getting the results that I want them to, it's because of me. It's because of my command and control habit. And wow, and this is what we do. We just help people see the habit in action and the damage caused in action so they have a choice. Do they want to keep on propagating the damage and getting the low performance? Or do they want to make a shift in their inner being, their state of being, their mindset, their consciousness, their worldview, how they see themselves? how they see others. But I think what's interesting is if you if you start to examine, um, for instance, if you're a manager or even a scrum master and you're you're telling people what to do and there's there's this edge, like there's a deeper edge inside of you. And if you really contemplate on what that edge is, you'll start to notice that there's something going on internally and it in I almost don't want to say it because if you say it, then people won't won't um, make the 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 inquiry. So what I will do is I will invite everyone that's listening to just stop for a moment and uh, and and close your eyes and and just take a moment to notice what's going on in your internal state when you think about getting your people to do something, or even if it's a family member, like telling your child to brush your teeth, like what's going on in your internal state. So when we talk about consciousness, we talk about mindset, what we're really talking about is your internal state. And you'll notice that there's, there's something going on. There's some disturbance in your internal state. That's all I'll say. And then it's a, it's a journey of discovery and through that that discovery and awareness, you'll you'll start to um, you'll start to mitigate some of that command and control that's going on, and you'll start to transform the that underlying inner state that's that's pushing to you know get things done or to make people do things, and even <clears throat> even. You know, we talk about being in agile and we talk about these new ways of working and we talk about collaboration. But if we even when we go to facilitate a collaboration session, what's your internal state? Because I guarantee if you're a normal human being, there's going to be some disturbance in your internal state. There's going to be a desire for an outcome or even the outcome is for for you to look good or to, you know, um, you know, unlock the team for, so they're, they're 
creating more high performance or, you know, they're getting their outcome, but it's that internal state that's actually the one that's creating all the, the damage. It all starts with self-awareness, right? But that self-awareness is sometimes very hard because realizing, as you just named it a few minutes ago in this conversation, right? I am causing that problem. That must be really tough for people. So what are those other things you do in the organization? So those tough managers, you know, those big guys who on the one hand will tell you, I have those budgets and I have those amount of people and I am important. In a way, they need to sort of say, I'm the best because that's how they've been promoted all those years. So how do you work with those type of people? Because they've been all those years growing through that ladder and that's difficult to stand up and say, I'm causing the problem. Everybody wants to be successful. So at some point it's, we talk about yeah. desire for the success. The key word is everybody wants to be successful. So it's about helping them connect with their desire. Desire. When people have desire, they'll put in the effort. They'll make the change. They'll look at the truth. They'll, they'll do what they need to do to be successful. So most of what's happening in change programs is spending zero effort looking at what people's desire is at an individual level, at a collective level. Um, and, you know, this, this goes back, and I, and I know you know this term of listen to the system. This is why we created this term. We need to listen to our system to understand what is happening in the system, to, to diagnose what's going on there. So we can actually take action based on reality. Oh, there's a little desire. Great. We'll get up to a gentle start. There's a lot of desire. Great. We're going to go faster. And, and I think also when, when you're working with people that have uh, that very, that, that very strong way of being that, um, you know, especially, um, well, I don't want to say anything like, especially this type of person, but they're, there are, there are people out there, I would say more like a, a type A personality or somebody that's very distracted or unconscious about how they're impacting uh, their environment around them or, or the people that they're with or, or the organization that they're working in. And what works is a lot of compassion and patience. And when you can see these people as human beings that have the same, um, the, that same uh, disturbance in their internal state, it's much easier to, to penetrate in and access the right thing to say to them that will unlock them. And that takes a lot of, um, a lot of seeing people as just human beings right. instead of seeing them in, in their worst, their worst yeah. state. Yeah, our view is that people are, are essentially victims of the situation. We can rise above it through our internal desire and, and, and so on. But the only way we can really help anybody else is when we help ourselves first. Like unless unless people who are either managers or coaches or change agents or whatever want to run transformation programs, unless people have done their own work and walk through their inner darkness, there is no way. You can possibly help anybody even contemplate walking through their darkness. So there, there's a there's really a walk the talk for anybody wanting to create change in the organization, right? So it's um, this is why we created the term evolutionary leadership to coin. This is the key element of leadership: is the choice to evolve oneself 
and develop the capabilities needed to evolve an organization. Like when that choice, that desire, that that moment where we say, enough, I don't want what I've been doing up till now. I want something different and I'm ready to put in the effort. That pivoting moment is what unlocks anyone across the board in any role, in any situation to move from being a victim of the environment to being a creator of their own future and their own destiny. And through that influencing the, the system they're in. Yeah. And it's very easy to get angry at the system. It's so, you know. Yeah. If you're in blame, if you're frustrated, you're those people or those people or those people or, you know, then at that point, you're part of the problem, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. It's one of my most typical questions at the Scrum Master classes is like, what shall we do with lazy people or with difficult people? And I'm always like thinking that, like saying like, they're nothing like that exists. They're just those habits, which are a consequence of certain culture or environment, and you are here to change that. But that's so difficult from what they've been keep hearing, like as you know, project managers, developers, managers, whatever, right? So it's very often hard to digest those things. Yeah, do you see any difference working with like uh, teams uh, who really do the work? or with the leadership teams on the top of the level, is there any difference in your approach or difference in, in the way how you phrase things? Yeah, so Do I'd you say- you wanna say the truth? Yeah, so I'd say um, <laughs> ultimately what we're dealing with is people. Ultimately what we're dealing with is people's ego. So 99.9% .9 it's the same, whether we're talking to an individual contributor on a team a scrum master, a product owner, a team lead, a manager, a director, a VP, CIO, CEO, it doesn't matter. The, the message, the, the, so I mean, we've created this whole thing. I, I don't know if you're familiar with it. We haven't talked in a long time, but the Shift 314 Evolutionary Leadership Framework or SELF. And it's like an unframework to evolve. And, and this framework applies because it's talking about these universal principles, universal laws of organizational dynamics that apply at any scale of the organization to somebody in any role, because this is a universal challenge that everyone faces. Now, in terms of what's different, there is a 1% difference or 0.1, which is just about some of the languaging, right? And some of the, the examples to have people connected to their reality. But the, the actual technology for creating the inner shift and the very practical ways of creating outer shift, it's the same thing. And we're not talking about like a, a typical, you know, um, scaling framework, right? We're talking about scaling excellence with people. It's talking about how to work on that layer below the scaled agile framework, below the, you know, uh, large scale scrum, below the blah, blah, blah. How do we work at the layer of culture, at the layer of leadership in an integrated way with a strategy and tactics to, to unlock the whole system? And, and so really we, from our view, it's the same. Because, and this, again, this, cut, this is radical because it cuts across cultures. It doesn't even matter what culture we're in because we're talking about this, you know, the, the basic function of the ego, which is a universal trait that goes deeper than cultural differences. Well, there is one difference. When we, when we speak with uh, executive groups and we do the, 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 the Cal training and when we do uh, Cal training at the middle management, um, our leadership training, uh, the executive teams go much faster and they get the work faster because we're talking about you're the problem, you're the solution. And I, this, is, this is where I would say there's a little bit of a difference in that is that 
um, which is surprising because you think, oh, at the at the upper levels in the organization, there's where the block is, you know, because everybody's it's their fault, it's their fault, but they're the ones that are really keen on on shifting the organization to create high performance. And once they see what it is, they get it really fast, and they're like, oh my god, that's what it is. It's me. It's us. Okay, we'll yeah. do it. Where when we're we're going a little bit further down in into the organization, there's a lot more stickiness. In yeah, I, I'd actually say if we want to say where is there more, everybody can get it, but where's there more stickiness and challenge? We'll change the question around. That's probably with agile coaches and scrum masters, to be brutally honest, because they're so deeply entrenched in an agile mindset or what they think an agile mindset, which is actually a misunderstanding, and agile evangelism and scrum evangelism and an addiction to processes and frameworks that they're not able to look at the bigger picture of what's really happening. Yeah, when you tell them that they're that the event agile evangelists inside of them must die now, they're like, yeah, like it's because <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of people on the floor. Yeah, or, or that coaching is not as effective as leading, and people have just invested you know three years of their life in their this coaching program. And, and it's like really, really confront. I mean, it's true, but it's really, really confronting for people. So, uh, so yeah. So that's actually probably the biggest reason. Mid-level managers they get we want to be successful, and they're finally having a language to bridge the disconnect between top leadership and actually getting work done. So they're like so relieved. They're like, oh my gosh, wow. This the, and and it's like, oh yeah, they're oh they're not on board, and this is how we can navigate it. Okay, great, got it. Right, because we're finally giving the tools not to talk about some idealistic state, but how do you work with the messy reality of different people being at different stages of evolution, different willingnesses to, to, to evolve and change, and just a big mess, like which is the truth of most organizations. How do you actually operate in that environment and not get stuck? How do you show up at your best, motivated, engaged, excited? no resistance, no aggravation, no frustration, no matter what. And that's, that can be very difficult. I can see that, yes. You published recently your new book, right? So can you tell us a little bit more about it? So what's the title? Leading Beyond Change. A Practical Guide to Business Agility. So, so why call it that? Like, what's, what's we the, wanted to call it truths, half truths, and lies. Or, or another version that our publisher hated was Fifty Shades of Teal. So <laughs> they really hated. They that really one. hated that one. Oh my god, that was like a instant no, no. All right, so, 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 so why why is it called Leading Beyond Change? Because it's about leading into the beyond the future of work. It's also about beyond the beyond. It's about a reformulation and reunderstanding of what actually is high performance. And you know, our view is that Teal's um, a really nice notion, but there's some myths that are very dangerous attached to it that are actually derailing people's success. So it's about you know, you know, clarifying those myths of Teal and clarifying what really is high performance and um, what is it, beyond change. It's about moving beyond our existing patterns and formulation of change to a, an evolved approach to change. And then why is it called you know, a practical guide? Because it gives you 50 business patterns for how to move from a, what we call a traditional way of working to what we call an evolutionary way of working and are able to bring out the best of their employees to, to create amazing workplaces that are able to achieve uh, great results and surf the waves of change. So it gives you 50 business patterns. It gives you, and the, the other thing is, 
in this framework that we've created, it gives you very practical things. You maps to orient yourself, models so you can understand and reason about what's happening around you, principles to reason about and guide choices and behavior and experiments, and most importantly, tools, very practical tools to start the shift at whatever level of the organization is appropriate in whatever dimension, because we're talking about an unframework that moves away from these traditional rigid big bang transformational approaches to an iterative and incremental one. So you can call this whole book about agile, even though it's not about agile, but speaking about it from an organizational perspective, a leadership perspective, a change perspective, what iterative and incremental or agile change actually looks like. Because most agile transformation programs are not following an agile approach. They're anything but agile. They're much more like waterfall. They're much more like command and control mindset. So it's a rat for anyone in the agile world is a, it's really a deep understanding of if you're trying to be successful agile, this is actually what you need to be doing. And it, what's beautiful about it is it's open and accessible to executives, business leaders, HR, people in transformation, because it's not tied to agile. That's the very interesting thing about this book. It's not about agile, but it is about agile. I think agile's mentioned in the book, maybe five times. Yeah, less than. Along with usually it goes agile, digital lean, or other approaches. That's usually where it shows up in the book. So what is the future of agile then? Um, so what is the future of agile? Well, so we have to understand what agile is. If we look at agile maturity, let's talk about what agile maturity is. Agile maturity would be say, well, agile is pointing to a culture system. And agile is designed as a solution to explain at a team level, one isolated team, how to be successful and shift to a, a fundamentally different way of working. The, the evolution of Agile or mature Agile, we'd understand that Agile is just one perspective. And we'll use an Agile perspective when we're working with a team, when we're working with a, a program portfolio, when we're talking about scaling multiple teams, we'll use an Agile perspective in that situation only. But that's only 10, 20% of what happens in organizations. The other 80% will use different models. We use culture, we use leadership, we'll use organizational alignment, We'll use um, problem solving. We use it, it, it's, it's, it's we call taking off the agile blinders. Agile maturity means you take you can take put the agile glasses on and you can take them off. You take, put them on. You take them off. You put them on. You take them off. Depending on what the moment needs, that's what being agile yourself is. I think it means agile being agile in your approach. If you're attached to only agile, you are not agile because you're only attached to one thing: agile. And this came up a long time ago with Scrum versus Kanban. People go, well, Agile is Scrum and Kanban. We use the right tool for the right moment. So being mature and Agile means sometimes I'll use Agile. Sometimes I'll use Lean. Sometimes I'll talk about leadership. Sometimes we'll talk about culture. Sometimes we'll just talk about the problem going on here without reference to Agile. That's what Agile maturity is. That's the future of Agile. Well, I think, I think what Agile is teaching people is how to be collaborative. Like, I think it's the, it's the starting point as a society or as a human race to start to work together and what that looks like and, and how to hold an organization in that place of collaboration and people first and, uh, you know, changing the, the, the ways of, of doing um, not just business, but actually living because now people are taking agile into schools. They're doing personal agility for achieving goals. There, there's, um, there's a broad range that Agile is moving into. And I look at it like this, that Agile is like an energetic template 
that's embedded in every organization on the planet, which means that it's a network that's connecting everything to everybody and everybody to everything. And it's allowing people to expand their worldview and look at different ways of working. And so I, I, it's just this really, you know, it comes back to my biggest insight and that I think that, so the future of agile is to continue to expand its consciousness. Like we think about AI and how AI can learn and evolve and learn and evolve. I think agile is that catalyst for us as a human race to, to begin to really have the, the structure and have the template to begin that evolution. Yeah, or if we look at it from a, the perspective of an orchestra, when agile realizes is maybe the lead violin, but it's not the whole orchestra, then it can play with the rest of the universe. But right now, a lot of people are thinking that Agile is the whole orchestra. And well, Agile's pretty awesome. Agile is awesome. Lead violinist, maybe even the whole violin section. It's amazing, but it's not a whole orchestra. We need the bass, we need the flutes, we need, you know, we need the drop percussion. Like we, that's what a whole system is needed to create something extraordinary. So when agile, this is agile maturity, you realize it's just part of a larger whole. I, I say agile maturity, if you think of agile as a wave in the ocean, agile maturity is realizing that it's just part of the whole ocean. So thank you very much for sharing your thoughts. That was pretty inspirational. And thank you for accepting my invitation and being here with me on this podcast. So good to be with you, yes. Susie. It's our really. pleasure. Really good to see you again. Yeah. Miss being in person with you. That's right. Me too. In a summary, it's so hard to put people first. You need to build awareness about the way how we interact with people. When people have desire, they do what they need to do to be successful. They put the effort in. We need to listen to the system more. Look at the bigger picture to know what's happening. Is there a stronger desire or not? People are victims of situation. The choice, I want to change things, is on you. You are the problem and you're also the solution. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Agile Way podcast hosted by Zuzi Shekhova, author of the Great Scrum Master book and Agile Leader book. If you love listening to this podcast, please leave us a review. If there is any topic you are particularly interested in and would like to hear another episode on it, let me know. For more information about me and my Agile classes, visit our website sochova.com, S-O-C-H-O-V-A.com. Thank you for listening.